0: Cruise Radio is brought to you in part by TripInsurance.com. Travel insurance done right by the people who know travel insurance. Get a quote today at TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Cruise Radio. Hey, what's up? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here. Coming up a little later on in the program, we'll get a review of Disney Fantasy down there in Port Canaveral, Florida. Uh, Stuart Sheeran, the cruise guy, out living the high life uh, on board Regent's most luxurious ship in the world. So he's not here this week. Sherry Kennedy from CruiseMaven.com taking his shoes, filling his shoes here in just a couple of minutes. We'll check in with Sherry. Uh, A couple of things before we get to her, though. Cruise Radio News. It's our private Facebook group. Look us up and come join the cruise conversation. Also follow us on Snapchat. Yeah, we're Cruise Radio on there. All right, Sherry Kennedy on the line to talk some cruise news. Hey, Sherry.
1: Hey, Doug. How are you doing?
0: Good. They just christened. Uh, they're coining it the world's most luxurious cruise ship. Uh, how luxurious are we talking?
1: Well, the new Regent Seven Seas Explorer is is over the top. Luxurious, at least in, in my out of my wallet, it would be. <laughs> Their most expensive suite is going for ten thousand dollars a night. Wow! But you know, for for that money, you're getting a, a ninety thousand dollar horsehair mattress, <laughs> 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 and a if you bring your sheet music, you can have a Steinway grand piano that you can play, valued at about two hundred and fifty thousand hmm. dollars. So it's it's pretty luxurious, pretty opulent, and over the top. Yeah, it was christened uh, earlier this week in Monaco by Princess Charlene with uh, Prince Albert Ranier at her side. (laughs) And there's a lot of fanfare. You know, where else would you christen the most luxurious ship in the world except in Monaco?
0: So a bed made of horse hair. To me, it's like sleeping in a barn. But you know, if, you're, if that's your thing, go ahead and do it. Let's uh, let's. And that's the Regent. What is it called? The Regent Explorer.
1: Regent Seven Seas Explorer. Okay, yes. good.
0: Happy to have that happening. Um, moving on to the next thing here, a Florida cruise port, actually in our own backyard. Uh, they yep. welcomed their two millionth cruise passenger this past week. What are the details on that?
1: Well, the details are: it was her first cruise. Her name is Karina Alejandro. She hails from North Carolina, and she was just going on this short cruise on the Carnival Elation because it was her boss's wedding. Hmm. So, yeah, so she goes to check in with her fiancé and her son, and poof, it suddenly she becomes the two millionth cruise passenger at Jacksonville Port, like you said, and uh, there was a, a small plaque exchange ceremony um, for, with the Captain uh, Gigliotti and the Jacksport officials. So it's a big deal to be a 200 to the 2 millionth passenger.
0: I know. Meanwhile, you guys down there in Port Canaveral are like, that's like six months for us.
1: (laughs) Two million people.
0: Yeah, yeah. But that's really – You know what? I live like 10 minutes away from the port here in Jacksonville. We're pretty – that ship goes out over – 100% uh, 100% capacity every time 100 over 100% meaning what that it's more than two people per birth right
1: yeah third and fourth are yeah. filling up so yep. it's
0: like it, it averages at 106 or 104% capacity so uh way to go Jax. congratulations there and uh, to the family that Was that two millionth passenger? Hope to see three million here really soon as well. Moving on, uh, Royal Caribbean offered a free cruise to a good Samaritan. This is a feel-good story.
1: And this comes from all the way up in Boston. And it turns out a cab driver named Raymond McCausland was picking up a passenger who was checking out of a homeless shelter and moving into a hotel in Boston. And uh, when the cab driver turned around after the passenger left, he noticed a backpack. That was left behind. So he rummages through it, looking for ID. I would imagine, and instead of finding personal belongings, he finds one hundred eighty-seven thousand dollars in cash.
0: What's he doing at a homeless shelter with that much money?
1: Well, it turns out it's an inheritance. Okay, good. And, and he's probably been sleeping with it as a pillow, you know, just yeah. <laughs> under his head, <laughs> chained to his arm. But uh, he was a little bit careless and left it in the taxi. But nevertheless. Uh, Raymond, whose nickname is Buzzy, went to the police. They tracked down the rightful owner. And when he uh, was given his missing backpack with $187,000 in it, he gives the cab driver a $100 tip. Wow! I I saw this on the news, so it was kind of interesting. The cab driver was not really impressed with his (laughs) tip. (laughs) But Royal Caribbean must have felt sorry for him because they did award him with a seven-night Caribbean cruise on either the Oasis of the Seas or the allure, and uh, they will also provide airfare for two people, uh, VIP onboard amenities, and what's most important, free internet.
0: There you go. So, was the, the, the taxicab taking this guy to the Regent ship? Is that where he was going?
1: Yeah, right. He could. He could only he couldn't sail for very long though on that amount of
0: money. <laughs> very <laughs> but nice. Pre-
1: He's probably not homeless
0: anymore. You know, good to to see that there are still some good people left in the world. That happened to to me, unfortunately, not with $187,000, but (laughs) with my uh, GoPro and recording gear in my Mac down in San Juan um, last December boarding a ship down there. And the guy returned it to me. I was expecting – my passport was in there too. I was expecting I was going to take a a flight home and just say goodbye to everything and buy all new stuff. The guy – tracked me down back at the airport and brought me my stuff. It's really um, good people left out there in the world. Good to know that.
1: Isn't that a a wonderful story? I remember when you contacted me, we were texting when you were checking into the hotel and you go, Oh my God, I don't have my backpack. I don't have my computer. And then you said, I'll get back to you later, and off you in. <laughs>
0: yeah, gosh, thank God that turned out well. Thank God that turned out well. Uh, Holland America, one of their ships, were rewarded for a rescue at sea. Uh, what kind of rescue did they perform, and what kind of award did they get?
1: Well, um, the captain and crew of Holland America's Vietnam uh, received a Seafarer of the Year award uh, for 2016 from Lloyd's List North American Maritime Awards. That's a mouthful to say right there. But um, the captain uh, of the ship and his crew rescued a pilot who ejected from his aircraft uh, near Maui in the Pacific Ocean uh, last year in January. Mm. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. It's not the first time Holland America has done a rescue. It's, in fact, you know most cruise lines can probably claim that they've done it. However, this it was twice or three times actually in um, 2015 that they came to a rescue. Of stranded either uh, um, crew members or or someone that was in a boat that was uh, sinking, pretty much.
0: Crazy! Imagine flying an airplane, getting ejected out into the middle of the Pacific Ocean, and being rescued Ugh. by a cruise ship. Probably not what you woke up to thinking that was going to happen today.
1: No, and it, luckily, you know, he did have a life raft. Yeah. Um, so he, it's not like he was, you know, bobbing around on his own. So that was lucky, and I'm sure it had tracking devices and all that. But, uh, you know, it, it takes a ship way off course sometimes to rescue someone, and it, it sort of wreaks havoc among the crew and, and logistics, but the passengers love it, and it's, it's probably a, a wonderful deed um, when they're able to do it. It's just great. Last but not least, Sherry,
0: and uh, this might throw you for a loop because I didn't put this in the talking notes, but um, (laughs) it looks like another cruise line could be heading to Cuba pretty soon. Right now, the only U.S. cruise line going there is Fathom uh, doing the people-to-people type of cultural work uh, exchange. But it looks like one more cruise line could be heading there or two more pretty soon?
1: Yeah, it looks like two more are on the the drawing board. Um, First of all, uh, it looks like at least two are on the drawing board, Oceana Marina and the Regatta. Are looking at adding Cuban voyages, hopefully before the end of the year, which would be pretty interesting. And uh, Norwegian Sky, there's rumors that that's going to be doing trips from Miami to Cuba.
0: It always makes me wonder, like, because you know that's one of their oldest ships, Norwegian Sky. Also, I I, I wouldn't be surprised if Royal Caribbean sends Empress to the seas down in Cuba too.
1: Yeah, I think they're going to all look at their yeah. their least, you know, their oldest <laughs> uh, ship to, to launch as a. I don't want to call it a commuter back and forth, but, you know, they may even do the weekend trips. It's only Mm -hmm. 90 miles from Key West and another few to Miami. So, yeah, I think that's what we're going to start seeing within the next probably two years. Uh, More and more cruise lines are going to be sending their their oldest ships as a test, I think, to see how it works and and go from there.
0: Sherry, I have a listener question for you if you have time to answer it. Oh, sure. Okay. She says, recently divorced and going on a cruise next month. What kind of documentation will I need? I booked the cruise while I was still married.
1: Well, unless she's had a name change, and it sort of depends on what state she lives in also, there's really nothing that she has to do. As long as she's not bringing children from her divorced spouse with her, um, she doesn't need any documentation. She can always take it with her, but, you know, when you go through – When you're applying for your pre-cruise registration, it just asks for your name. So unless you've had a name change where it does not match your passport, then you need to get documentation showing your divorce and showing your uh, new legal name. But if, if nothing has changed then nothing has changed, and she
0: can proceed. Let's break this down like I'm five years old because we have to do that sometimes with me. So if if her Mm -hmm. name was Becky Johnson, she got married and her name became Becky Smith, now Mm -hmm. she's divorced and her name Uh, is Becky Johnson again.
1: If she goes back to her original name, she will need proof showing that she is divorced, and she will also have to make sure that her passport— is the name that she's traveling under and how she's um, applied for her cruise. Gotcha. So yeah, you know, and if she's taking in children with her, then she would have to get uh, a signed permission slip, literally from the children's father and notarized, saying that she, he gives permission for her to take the children out of the country, because it is out of the country.
0: Well, this email sounds like her and her new lover are going, so um, oh, I well. don't have any kids.
1: <laughs> In that case, well, you <laughs> never know, but yeah. No, as long as what she has legally matches her passport, Yeah. Um, you know, whatever name she has legally changed to, if she's maintained her same name as when she was married and that's what her passport says, no problem. But if she's gone back to her original name, then she would have to bring documentation showing that she is now uh, Johnson instead of Smith. Good,
0: good, good, good. All right. good. Congratulations, too, on the cruise you're going on, not the divorce. No one likes divorce. Um, (laughs) We've been talking with Sherry Kennedy from CruiseMaven.com. Sherry, thanks for being here.
1: Thanks, Doug. It's always fun. This
0: is Cruise Radio. From its rich heritage, picturesque beaches, and unparalleled blue waters, it's no wonder over 7 million people cruise to the Caribbean every year. What do you want to do? Swim with stingrays at Stingray Bay? Parkwest makes us excited to spend money on art.
1: To find out more about Parkwest Gallery, visit parkwestgallery.com or go to cruiseradio.net and click on the Parkwest Gallery icon. You're listening to Cruise Radio, part of the iHeartRadio Talk Network.
0: We always like to get your cruise reviews here on the show. If you have one you'd like to share, shoot me an email, doug at cruiseradio.net. Like Anthony, him and his family just returned from a seven night Eastern Caribbean sailing aboard Disney Fantasy. And Anthony's on the line this evening. How are you doing, Anthony?
2: I'm doing wonderful, Doug. How about you?
0: Good, man. I can't wait to hear all about Disney Fantasy, a ship we haven't heard from in years here on the show. Uh, But before we get to the ship itself, let's take a step back and give us some pre-cruise thoughts. What made you want to sail this seven-night Eastern on Disney Fantasy?
2: Well, we have a 10-year-old daughter, Doug, who loves Disney World, and we wanted her to experience the magic of a Disney cruise. Plus, my wife and I, we're celebrating our 26th wedding anniversary, so we kind of killed two birds with one stone there.
0: Nice. Well, congratulations there. So you're, you're up in, uh, I believe you said you were like just north of Atlanta somewhere?
2: That is correct, cool. yes, sir.
0: So you make your way down to Port Canaveral. How was the embarkation process for you when you got there to board Disney Fantasy?
2: For Disney, it was extremely smooth. We parked off-site at a lot near in uh, Cape Canaveral, and uh, they shuttled us over to the port. Once we arrived at the Disney Cruise Terminal, we were actually boarding the ship in about 15 minutes. Uh, It was a very quick process, including pictures as we boarded, and we didn't waste any time whatsoever getting on board.
0: Just curious, I know Port Canaveral recently just raised their parking lot rates at the cruise pier, and you mentioned you parked off-site. How did you find that off-site service?
2: We have been using that same service for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about almost about half the price. To okay. be honest with
0: you, awesome, cool. So you make your way on Disney Fantasy. Uh, what were your first impressions of the ship?
2: Walking on board, you know, one of the most impressive things was that when you first are come on the ship, the Disney staff there at the doorway they announce your family name as you uh, enter the into the atrium area, uh, which was really cool. Because my ten year old daughter, you know, she thought that that was great to have the family name mm-hmm. announced. And then as we walk into the open area and seeing all the characters that were there waiting on us and all the decor uh, that Disney specializes in, it was a really, really nice experience to see that walking on board.
0: I've never been on a, a Disney ship at all. How did the, like, the main atrium look? Does it look, look like a normal cruise ship Like as far as the style and all that?
2: It was similar to some of the other cruise ships but this one seemed to be more open mm-hmm. and more spacious than some of the other ones we had been on. We've been on Carnival before, you know, which are kind of you got this style staircase and so forth, but this one in Disney seemed to be much more open in the area and uh, and a lot more buzz going on with the characters and Disney staff people on board.
0: Nice. Uh, so you make your way to your stateroom. So what kind of stateroom did you have and what did you think
2: of it? We had a midship deluxe balcony stateroom. Uh, it's extremely spacious. The great thing we liked about it was that it had two bathrooms, which you don't find on many of the other cruise lines. You know, one bathroom with a, uh, a sink and a shower, the other with a sink and a toilet. And uh, then the open area where the bed was and a sofa that folded over into a twin where my my daughter slept uh, all that was great to have sitting in space area the balcony was extremely spacious for there i love to sit out on a balcony especially in the evening and kind of watch the waves and watch the stars So we didn't feel like we were falling all over each other like we do sometimes on other cruise ships.
0: So uh, let's switch gears here and talk about the dining aboard Disney Fantasy. Now, Disney does dining a little different. They do what they call rotational dining. So for the people who don't know what rotational dining is, Anthony, uh, could you kind of walk us through
2: that and tell us about your experience? Absolutely. Uh, Disney has three main dining venues. And the rotational dining is each night you rotate from one uh, to the other of the three dining venues. So during a seven-day cruise, we were uh, able to dine at all three of those at least twice. And uh, the good thing is, is your staff and servers actually rotate with you. So the people who already know, you know what kind of drinks that you like and how you like your food, get to know you by name. They're going with you. And uh, so there's three main dining areas. One of them's called the Enchanted Garden. It kind of has a garden fairy, Pinker Bell kind of feel to it. Uh, The Royal Court, which is more like a royal royal castle where you're like beating the beast. And uh, Animator's Palette, which was geared towards uh, animation with screens around the walls. Uh, That was probably my daughter's favorite, especially uh, one evening we had the ability to take this placemat they gave us. And within this little grid area, we drew a character. And then during the... Uh, dessert time, they put our characters up on the screens uh, around the room and animated them. Cool. So that was really, really neat to be able to do that.
0: Did they have um, Crush talk in there at all with you guys?
2: Yes, they did. Yeah, awesome. Crush was interacting <laughs> with some of the people at the tables, yeah.
0: That's so cool. And uh, as far as the Lido Deck dining, uh, how was the main buffet area?
2: Uh, the main buffet area, you know, called Cabanas, is uh, it was really great. And I liked the way that they had actually broken out the different types of food options into, like, stations or centers. So you weren't standing in one big, long line like you would at some buffets waiting just to get something to eat. So you could kind of pick and choose and kind of walk around to find the station you want to and uh, very short lines walk up. Uh, get what you wanted. We would eat there, you know, breakfast and and at lunch frequently. Never had a problem finding a seat either. That was a nice thing, not have to roam around to look for a place to sit down and have have, uh, lunch or breakfast with your family.
0: Very nice. Now, did you go eat at any kind of, uh, like, poolside venues or any place like that?
2: Not much. We, um, you know they do have an area where you can get uh, pizza and burgers and things like that. So occasionally we would we would stop by there and get something, especially if it was mid afternoon snack or late in the evening when all the other venues were closed. But um, we typically didn't eat lunch there. We typically hit Cabanas.
0: Cool. Uh, let's talk about the entertainment aboard Disney Fantasy because one thing Disney Cruise Line or Disney in general, really excel in is entertainment. Uh, What did you think of the shows and the entertainment offered during your uh, week-long voyage?
2: Well, Doug, I can't say enough about the onboard entertainment that Disney does. It is top-notch. We were able to see three Broadway-style shows while we were there. One of them was Aladdin. The other one was one called Disney Wishes. And the third was a Disney Believe. Extremely great performances by the cast there really made you feel like you're in New York on Broadway watching the Aladdin, you know, when you're sitting there watching it. So those were outstanding. Also uh, we had the option to go throughout the week to see onboard movies. A lot of the movies that were playing at the time, like the new jungle book, Zootopia, house through the looking glass, seeing those movies on board in 3d at no charge, obviously. And, and so The pirate party that takes place on the deck one evening with the fireworks was also great entertainment to watch uh, Jack Sparrow show up and and put on a great show on the deck as well.
0: Nice. As far as the the firework display that Disney does on their ships, how was that? It's got to be pretty cool experiencing a firework show at sea.
2: It was phenomenal. We actually... After we finished dinner one evening, we went up to the deck and uh, one of the crew members kind of gave us some pointers as we were trying to find a place to stand. We had the late dining and uh, by the time we got up there, you know, most of the rail space had been taken up and was occupied. But one of the crew members told us to go to the port side of the ship and stand on the rail because they would be firing the fireworks off to the starboard side. And so we did and we got a great view of it. Shooting off up above us, and and we could see it off in the distance from where we were standing. So we we greatly appreciated that tip from the from the crew member.
0: That that's awesome. Uh, one thing that really defines a cruise ship is how it behaves while the ship's at sea and between ports. So how did Disney Fantasy handle uh, passenger flow around the pool and inside during sea days?
2: Well, the ship was. Busy, but it, we didn't feel overwhelmed. Disney offers so many onboard activities and entertainment options that no one area feels overcrowded. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got the movies on the inside, like we were talking about earlier, you know, in 3D. You've got the Broadway shows that are taking place. You've got uh, even movies on the big screen on the main deck where the pool is. Plenty of deck space with chairs and, uh, and other activities, including like the kids' club for, for people to take advantage of while on board. So we, we never had to fight for deck chair space, uh, or, or stand in line for much of anything, uh, including the aqueduct.
0: Cool. And how was that? How was the aqueduct?
2: The aqueduct was great. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did it a couple of times, but my daughter was on it time after time, after time. As soon as she would get off, she'd go get back in line again. And, um, she really, really enjoyed that. Being
0: 10 years old, was she able to, or did she take part in any of the kids' programs on board?
2: She did. Every night after dinner, she would go spend a couple of hours at the kids' club. And then, of course, during the week when she wasn't on the awkward note, uh she would go spend a few hours throughout the week on sea days uh, in the kids' club. She loved it, absolutely loved oh. it. We, you know, we've been on several other cruises before with other cruise lines, and when I asked her about you know, what she liked about this one, uh, she said everything. Uh, she, this one was much, much far above all the others, and uh, so we, we enjoyed seeing her uh, eyes light up coming back from Kids Club every night.
0: Nice. Very cool. Uh, how about the ports you hit? This is a seven-night Eastern Caribbean sailing. So what ports did you hit, and which one was your favorite?
2: We had three ports. Uh, one was uh, Tortola, British Virgin Islands. The second one was St. Thomas in the U.S. Virgin Islands, and the third was Castaway Key, which is you know Disney's private island. Out of all three of those, obviously, I'm going to go with Castaway Key. Uh, there's nothing like a private island on any cruise line's uh, itinerary, and uh, it's a beautiful island. One thing I liked about this one is that we docked there and did not have to tender like you do on some other cruise lines to theirs. You know, the characters were off the ship uh, on the island to have photo ops and interact with the kids and the, and the uh, passengers. Easy to find beach chairs and umbrellas. It, it was a wonderful experience until a tropical storm showed up. Ah,
0: what happened there?
2: Well, uh, I guess about halfway through the day, we uh, we saw a tropical storm coming uh, straight at us. And so we uh, we ended up having to gather up our stuff, and we went into the pavilion where they served lunch. And we were able to have lunch. The storm kind of passed over, but the rain never went away. The good thing was uh, Disney did a great job of modifying their onboard activity schedule for that day. Uh, We went back to the ship, and as we were boarding the ship, they were giving us a modified itinerary for what was going on on the ship. And May did a really good job of changing it to accommodate the passengers coming back on the ship. During that day, while the storm was going on,
0: well, that's good. Very nice. Uh, so, you, you make your way back to Port Canaveral. How was disembarkation? How does Disney do uh, disembarkation? Was it seamless, like everyone always says it was?
2: It was fairly seamless uh, as far as Disney's portion of it. We did have a little bit of a wait getting through customs. That uh, was a pretty significant line to get through customs, but what we were told that day was they only had a uh, partial crew from the customs office there working the lines. So uh, trying to push several thousand people through just three or four lines was a little slower activity, but but wasn't bad. Once we got on through, we got back to our show, went back to our par- parking lot where we had a car and uh, able to get back in and head home.
0: Any first time tips you may have or may want to give anyone sailing Disney fantasy? I'll
2: probably say a few. Uh, one of them is absolutely don't miss the shows and the movies and the photo ops. Uh, those are things that, that are fantastic. You know, the photo op opportunities are ones where you would spend, uh, and we've experienced it, you would spend hours waiting in line at Disney World to get your pictures made with some of the princesses and characters. And we never had to wait more than maybe 10 minutes on board a ship so take advantage of those while you can don't think that the ship's going to be overcrowded just because there's kids on board uh... the ship is huge there's plenty to do and everything is spread out so you never feel uh, overwhelmed and of course you know don't o- don't overlook your room stewards and hosts and how well they take care of you people don't talk about those people uh, all too much but we got to give them a lot of credit they work very hard to take care of you doing your cruise So keep that in mind.
0: Absolutely. Looking back uh, during your whole seven-day voyage with your family, what was the biggest highlight of the cruise for you?
2: I I guess the biggest highlight was just seeing my daughter's eyes just light up every time we would go see a character Mm -hmm. uh, or allow her to experience the the Disney magic. You know, The entire cruise was wonderful just to see her be able to experience that magic.
0: Did you do any uh, pre- or post-cruise time at Walt Disney World?
2: This time, we no, we did not. Uh, we, we made a trip back in the fall to Disney World, so this time we, we just did just the cruise.
0: Very cool. Well, uh, in closing here, Anthony, I just want to get your final thoughts of Disney Fantasy.
2: Disney Fantasy is a ship like no other, in my opinion. And if you've never been on Disney Fantasy, it needs to be on your bucket list.
0: There you go. We've been talking with Anthony. He just returned from a seven-night Eastern Caribbean sailing aboard Disney Fantasy with his family at a Port Canaveral. Anthony, my friend, thanks for being on the show and have a great weekend.
2: Thank you, Doug. Appreciate it.
0: A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance?